0: Let the light and warmth of Christmas brighten our lives and our world. Let us find, even in the dark corners of our souls, the light of hope and a vision of the extraordinary and the ordinary. Let us find, in the quiet of a holy moment, a promise of rest and renewal. And let us find the child in each of us, the new hope, the new light that is born in us. Then will Christmas come. Then will magic return to the world. From the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom God favors. A brand new pastor and his wife were newly assigned to their first ministry to reopen a church in suburban Brooklyn. They arrived in early October excited about their opportunities, but when they saw their church, it was very rundown and needed a lot of work. They set a goal to have everything done in time to have their first service on Christmas Eve. They worked hard. They repaired pews, plastered walls, painted, and on December 18th, they were ahead of schedule and just about finished. On December 19th, a terrible tempest, a driving storm hit the area and lasted for two days. On the 21st, the pastor went over to the church. His heart (laughs) sank when he saw that the roof had leaked, causing a large area of plaster, about 20 feet by 8 feet, to fall off the front wall of the sanctuary, just behind the pulpit beginning about head high. He cleaned up the mess on the floor, and not knowing what else to do except to postpone the Christmas Eve service, he headed home. On the way, he noticed that a local business was having a flea market sale for charity, so he stopped in. One of the items was a beautiful, handmade, ivory-colored, crocheted tablecloth with exquisite work, fine colors, and a cross embroidered right in the center. It was just the right size to cover up the hole in the front wall. So he bought it and headed back to the church. By this time, it had started to snow. An older woman running from the opposite direction was trying to catch the bus, but she missed it. The pastor invited her to wait in the warm church for the bus, which was going to come about 45 minutes later. She sat in a pew and paid no attention to the pastor while he got a ladder, hangers, etc., to put up the tablecloth as a wall tapestry. He could hardly believe how beautiful it looked, and in fact, it covered the entire problem area. And he noticed that the woman was walking down the center aisle in his face was as white as a sheet. Pastor, she asked, where did you get that tablecloth? The pastor explained. The woman asked him to check the lower right corner to see if the initials E-B-G were crocheted into it there. And they were. These were her initials. She had made this tablecloth 35 years before in Austria. She could hardly believe the story as the pastor told how he had just gotten it. She explained that just before the war, she and her husband were well-to-do people in Austria. But when the Nazis came, she was forced to leave. Her husband was going to follow her the next week, but she was captured and sent to prison and never saw her husband or her home again. The pastor wanted to give her the tablecloth, but she made him keep it for the church. He insisted, though, on driving her home because he felt that was the least thing he could do. She lived on the other side of Staten Island and was only in Brooklyn for the day for a house cleaning job. They had a beautiful service on Christmas Eve. The church was just about full. The music and the spirit were great. At the end of the service, the pastor and his wife greeted everybody at the door, and many said they would return. One older man, whom the pastor recognized from the neighborhood, continued to sit in one of the pews and stare. The pastor wondered why he wasn't leaving. He asked him where he got the tablecloth on the front wall because it was identical to one that his wife had made years ago when they lived in Austria before the war. And how could there be two tablecloths so much alike? He told the pastor how the Nazis came and how he forced his wife to flee for her safety. He was supposed to follow her, but he was arrested and put in prison never saw his wife or his home again for all those years. While well, the pastor asked him if he would allow him to take him for a little ride. They drove to Staten Island into the same house where the pastor had taken the woman three days earlier. He helped the man climb the three flights of stairs to the woman's apartment, knocked on the door, and saw the greatest Christmas reunion he could ever Imagine. This is a true story. I remember my first Christmas adventure with Grandma. I was just a kid, and I remember tearing across town on my bike to visit her on the day my big sister dropped the bomb. There is no Santa Claus, she jeered.
1: Even dummies
0: know that. Well, my grandma was not the gushy kind, she never had been, and I fled to her that day because I knew she would be straight with me. I knew grandma always told the truth and I knew that the truth always went down a whole lot easier when swallowed with one of her world famous cinnamon buns. I knew they were world famous because grandma said so. It had to be true. Grandma was home and the buns were still warm and between bites I told her everything. She was ready for me. No Santa Claus, she snorted. Ridiculous. Don't believe it. That rumor has been going around for years, and it makes me mad. Plain mad. Now get your coat. Let's go. Off we went to Kirby's General Store, the one store in town that had a little bit of just about everything. As we walked through the door, Grandma handed me $10. I was a bundle in those days. Take this money, she said, and buy something for someone who needs it. I'll wait for you in the car. Then she turned and walked out of the store. I was only eight years old. I'd often gone shopping with my mother, but never had I shopped for anything all by myself. A store seemed big and crowded, full of people scrambling to finish their Christmas shopping. And for a few moments, I just stood there confused, wondering what to buy, and who on earth to buy it for. I thought of everybody, and I knew my family, my friends, my neighbors, the kids at school, the people who went to my church. I was just about thought out when I suddenly thought of Bobby Decker. He was a kid with bad breath and messy hair, and he sat right behind me in Mrs. Pollock's grade two class. Bobby Decker didn't have a coat. I knew that because he never went out to recess during the winter. His mother always wrote a note saying that he had a cough, but all we kids knew that Bobby Decker didn't have a cough. He just didn't have a coat. I fingered the $10 bill with excitement. I would buy Bobby Decker a coat. I settled on a red corduroy coat that had a hood on it. It looked real warm, and he would like that. "'Is this a Christmas present for someone?' the lady behind the counter asked kindly. "'Yes, ma'am. It's for Bobby.' The nice lady smiled at me. I didn't get any change, but she put the coat in a bag and wished me Merry Christmas. That evening, Grandma helped me wrap the coat in Christmas paper and ribbons. A little tag fell out of the coat, and Grandma tucked it in her Bible." I wrote to Bobby from Santa Claus on it. Grandma said Santa always insists on secrecy and she drove me to Bobby Decker's house explaining as we went that I was now and forever officially one of Santa's helpers. We parked down the street and she and I crept noiselessly and hid in the bushes by his front walk. Then grandma gave me a nudge. All right, Santa Claus get going. I took a deep breath, dashed for his front door, threw the present down on his step, pounded his doorbell, and flew back to the safety of the bushes. Together, we waited breathlessly for the front door to open. Finally, it did, and there stood Bobby, Fifty years haven't dimmed the thrill of those moments spent shivering beside my grandma in Bobby Decker's bushes. That night, I realized that those awful rumors about Santa Claus were just what Grandma said they were. Ridiculous. Santa was alive and well, and we were on his team. And I still have Grandma's Bible with the coats tagged Tucked Inside, 1995. The great Howard Thurman writes, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among us, and to make music in the heart. So our, our next uh, reading may have my favorite, my favorite title of the entire season, Christmas in the Bathroom. Don't worry, we don't have to turn the lights off. <laughs> when Sam was three years old, he attended the little school of Seattle, which met in the basement of a church and kept its general supplies in the foyer of the women's restroom. Sam discovered this treasure trove one morning late in November. Therein was a king-sized canister full of red glitter. Yes, upside down over his head. All over the restroom, and down the hall, and around the corner, and into the director's office. But before anyone could mutter, oh my god, what a mess, Sam, age three, Sang out, hands in the air, laughter on face. You know what? You know what? There's Christmas in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. There's Christmas in the bathroom. And therein lies the message. Beauty, so said the ancients, is in the eye of the beholder. And Christmas is and ever will be found where it's looked for. Most often close by, most always very underfoot, hidden away in the cupboards of our lives, waiting to be rediscovered in a rebirth of wonder. Waiting to be dumped over our hard heads like blessing oil. Waiting to be scattered like red glitter on the walls and hallways of dark December. Christmas will be found in closeted memories, visions, hopes, fears, half-forgotten songs, and muddled stories of a child of long ago and in the story of a child named Sam. Christmas will be found even in bathrooms by those who know how to see Waiting in silence, creating space for steadfast love to grow, especially to grow within us. Maybe the most essential and maybe the most difficult practice of all. This, in many ways, is the spirit of Advent, that time in the Christian liturgical year when we practice the waiting and the hoping and the trusting in new life not yet fully known. Trusting and waiting to allow the loving kindness that is the essence of God's own life to grow in us and to bear fruit that most of us never expected. So tonight, tonight, May the sacred ground of all being grant each of you the capacity to wait in hope, to allow your own loving kindness to grow in you for the life of the world. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. May the spirit of the season carry you all throughout this week and throughout the new year.